You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. Father, we love you, and God, we just thank you, Lord, for God, the fact that you are at work and you're using people to be life-giving and to rescue, and we just lift up Houston in this moment, and we just continue to ask that you would uh, touch people. We pray for the, the people who have lost loved ones. Father, we pray, Lord God, that you would take what seems disastrous, what seems like ashes, and would you make something beautiful? God, we just ask that you would... Uh, just work even in a fresh way, Lord God, in these 18 young people that have come from all over the United States, Lord, to grow as disciples and grow as leaders. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that this would be the greatest year of their lives so far. We pray your blessing on them, and we thank you, Lord God, that they are a part of this family. And we honor you, and we love you. And all of Radiant said, amen. Amen. John is known by most of us, as the apostle of love. And the reason why he's nicknamed that, called that, is because John's favorite subject is to talk about God's love. He's always talking about the love of God. It's frequent in his writings. And so we kind of nickname him the apostle of love. In John chapter 3, when he writes his gospel, John 3, 16, you're familiar with it, where it says, for God so loved the world. And it starts off with, he loves us, he loves the world. You've got a couple verses later where John 3, 35, it says, the father loves the son. So God the father loving God the son. And then John adds in John 11, this story about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And John records how Jesus loves Lazarus. And John records how Jesus loves Mary and Martha. And you keep going and there's a story in John 13 where John actually describes that the reason why Jesus was the servant of all is he loved his disciples. And so the father loves the world, and the father loves the son, and, and, and Jesus loves Lazarus, and Jesus loves Mary and Martha, and, and Jesus loves the disciples. And then in John, we get more where he says, hey, John 13, we've got this moment where not only do I love the disciples, but he says, a new command I give you, love one another. And then in John 15, 9, he starts talking about the love that exists in the Godhead. He says that the Father has loved me, the Son, so I love you. So now we've got the love that goes from the Father to the Son. He says that's how I love the disciples. He's talking love all over the place. And then in 1 John 3, where he says how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us. You keep going and it's this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us. It's 1 John 4, it's over and over and over again, the dynamic of love, the Father that loves, Jesus loves, and then the command for us to love, for us to love God and for us to love others, and it's love, 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 except for in 1 John chapter 2, where it is do not love the world. One time we've got a do not love the world. Sometimes it's easy for us to think I'm just a person of love. I just love everybody. Everything's good. All is love, 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 love. And yet we do have a command from what I'm calling Grandpa John, old man Papa John looking at us saying, do not love. Let's pick it up in verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. In fact, if anyone loves the world, Love for the Father is not in them. Whew. OK? 
okay, strong. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from, where is the originator? Where does it come from? It comes from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Last week, we talked about how light and dark cannot coexist. And so the whole idea is, is that if you have darkness, all you got to do is shine the light and the darkness flees. The darkness goes away. So the way to get rid of darkness is to turn on the light. If you like that sermon, it was last week. You missed it. All right. But here's the idea that he's saying here. It's kind of a continuation of that concept because John says, Love for the Father and love for the world do not coexist. And so in the same way that you would get the darkness out, the greatest way for you to get love for the Father in and love for the world out is to turn on love for the Father, just like light and darkness. And it's a continuation, the same idea that continues. And really, you've got the whole Bible with this constant competition between loves it's a greater love and a lesser love it's a great love that exists forever that is the first love for god so loved versus the lesser love the cravings of this life right now right here my kingdom come my will be done me my lust of the eyes my lust of the flesh my pride of life And you and I live in our short 75, 80, 25, 45, 90 years on planet Earth, very short amount of time with a constant tension between those two loves. Which love will be first? Which love will grow? Which love will be number one? So our challenge is to take John's words here and choose the greater love and not the lesser love. And yet... You and I live in a culture that perpetually makes money off of the lesser love. You and I live in a culture that promises that lesser love will bring happiness, the pride of life. Come on now. Make sure you get as many likes as possible. Be as famous as you can. Come on. Lust of the flesh. Whatever your body tells you, do it. Lust of the eyes. If you can see it, you can have it. Just Google it and you can buy it. Hey. And you and I live with a very real competition in our heart for which affection will you feed? Which affection will be number one? And John here says they don't coexist. So I just want to take it phrase by phrase. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Now, this is interesting because you and I just read John 3.16 where John said, for God so loved the world. Well, that's interesting because now he's saying do not love the world. And even more interesting, it's still, it's the same Greek word, cosmos here. And so in John 3, 16, when he's saying God so loved the world, man, God made the world good. And he loves people and he loves what he created. But in reference here, when what John is talking about, it's the same word, but the idea is the systems of this world. It's the systems, it's the desires of the planet, those things that are not God, those things that are not his will. And so I don't know when you hear that, I don't know what kind of goes on inside of your heart, 
But I was meditating on this week in preparing to preach it. And I just wanted to say to the Lord, God, I don't want to, like, where, where am I on this? Like, help me. Like, my, my journey. And I began to think about this. And, and to be honest with you, I, I, I think for me, I didn't have this, I want to love the world and not God. I, I, don't, I don't have that. And I think probably the kind of person that shows up at church on Labor Day weekend doesn't either. Right? Like inside of you is probably not a whole lot of, I do not want to love God and I want to love the world. Here's where I think most of our challenge is. We try to create a third category that says, I love God and I like some of these things. How can we create space for all of it to coexist? But John here is really clear. He says, hey, the truth is, is that if there is love for the world, there's not love for the Father. And so you and I have the privilege and the challenge and the constant fight to say, oh God, how can the greater love be primary? How can it be first? How can it become supreme? And eventually, God, how can I get to where my whole heart is in love with the Father, in love with God? And so I was thinking about my own journey, and I realized I think one of the things that I often do when it comes to this topic without meaning to is I compartmentalize. And I go, well, hey, love God in my quiet time when I'm sitting, sipping coffee, hanging out, Bible open, what's up, what's up, what's up? Love God on Sunday morning, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love God when I'm screaming, you know, listening to worship music down, that's not true, I don't really do, I listen to sermons, but I, it was I drive down the road, but maybe... Maybe at times where I feel anger, I compartmentalize it and I'm justified to be angry. Or in moments where I've got pride, well, I live in this country and let's be real. And as I was wrestling with it today, I want to encourage you to wrestle with the same idea. Where do you tolerate because you compartmentalize? And you just go, well, I'll just kind of tolerate some of the lust of the flesh here, some of the lust of the eye here some of the pride of life here. My hope is that today we would grow in just saying, no, God. Man, I want love for the Father to be on the rise. And if love for the Father goes on the rise, then look what happens in the next phrase. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. So here's how I read this. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. So when you... Love the world, it takes up space in your affections. If, if I love the world, then there's not enough space to love the Father. And if I love these things, if I love the pride of life, if I love the lust of the eye, if I love the lust of the flesh, all those things, if I love them, then it takes up my affections. In fact, the way that Eugene Peterson says it in the message, which is his translation, I love the way he says it because it's so real. He says, love of the world squeezes out Love for the Father. I've got, God, I love you, and I sing the song of a never-ending reckless. Jump over a mountain after me. Love you, God. Whatever that song was. Oh, love. I love you back. But it's easy then to just say, and I love getting a lot of likes on Instagram. And here's another picture of myself on it. And I just... And God, I just want 
knee, and I do want, and I, man, if I can find it, I want to buy it, and so if I can, if my body tells me to do it, I want to do it, and so, and just, and I'll reckless love a guy. Here's the challenge. The challenge is come back and go, no, as my love for the Father increases and grows, it will push out those other things. It'll, and so, one of the temptations is to always just go, I'm going to grip my teeth and I am not going to lust of the eye. <laughs> lust of the flesh. Pride of life. What's up? <laughs> no pride there. But here's the dream. Okay, God. All right. Increase. Romans 5.5 5 says the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into our hearts. My prayer for you is ask the Holy Spirit, increase love in my heart. And it'll start to squeeze, squeeze out other affections. And so love for the Father becomes supreme. Love for the Father becomes high. So the question becomes, as you go through your day, not only do I pray it, I want love to increase, but you have choices to make. And the question is, which love will you choose? Will you choose love for the Father or will you choose love for the world? And every choice that you make will feed one of them. And so sometimes you just, and I don't mean every choice. I don't mean like what kind of gum you chew, you know, that kind of stuff. But the big decisions as you walk through your day, like, oh, man, you know, like these, these big decisions when, there's, when you're tempted or when there's big decisions in your life. And the predominant setting of your heart is, God, I want to make choices that feed love for God rather than love for world. I want to make choices that put me in the most strategic position to grow and expand in love rather than to potentially start to tolerate the love of the world. And so you make these choices because you will chase after one. One of them, you will chase after. And my prayer is that we would grow in saying, all right, God, I want to grow in this love for you and that you would chase after him. Because John is telling us, don't fill up on a lesser love. Don't fill up on a love that cannot satisfy. This feeding of the body, feeding of the eyes, feeding of pride, at the end of the day, that cannot satisfy what only God can satisfy. You're made for relationship. This way is the more supreme passion. This one far surpasses that one. That one is a train wreck. This one leads to eternal relationship forever. And so John's going, man... Do not love the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. I like the way C.S. Lewis talks about this idea. He says, if we consider the unblemishing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. Huh. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition. There's those. When infinite joy is offered to us. Then he illustrates it. Like an ignorant child who wants to, be, to go on making mud pies in a slum because he, is not, he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. It's not America. It's obviously England. Um, and then he says this. We are far too easily pleased. So here's the illustration. He goes, like a kid who likes mud pies in the slum. And it's great and it's all they know when what they don't realize that that, the lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life, 
is like a mud pie in a slum compared to the surpassing greatness of a day at the beach as summer ends and hope you made it. No, just kidding. Right? He's saying a kid can't fathom how great the beach is when he's just content in the mud pie. Because the truth is, is that there is some fulfillment in sin, but it's fading and it's, it won't last forever. And the desire that feeds us more fulfilling and lasts forever is the greater love. So competition of loves, which one will you choose? Which one will you walk in? And I'm telling you, you live in a culture that is constantly saying, live for this one. Live over here. Come on. Do whatever it takes for your body to be pleased. Do whatever it takes that you can have whatever you want and live for you. Build your own kingdom. You're the king. You're the queen. Live that way. In the life of the Christ follower that says, actually, he's the king. He is my all in all, and he is the one that I feed upon. Well, in our culture, it's mocked. And so your challenge is, as the Christ follower, all right, God, I want to be the kid at the beach. <laughs> I want to be the kid that walks in the greater love. So I, as your friend and pastor, I would encourage you, don't turn down your desires, turn up your desires. And choose the one that lasts forever. Let that passion grow inside of you. So I dream about a church where when we walk in, it is not where we are worshiping based upon our feelings, where we're not worshiping based upon if we've had a good week. We don't worship because of our emotions, we worship because he's worthy. And so we walk in and we go, hey, no matter what I feel, you are awesome. You are king. Hallelujah. The Lord God omnipotent reigns. And so whether I feel like it or not, I fix my eyes on you and my desire for you grows and my love for this world shrinks. It's where we want to live. So then look at the way that says this. He's, John's got this passion. We're saying just those, that list that he, that he says, where he outlines them, it's like those cheap substitutes cannot fulfill forever. And when he lists them then, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So, I was starting to wrestle with it this week. Like, okay, God. You know, preaching every week is really convicting. <laughs> like, you're just like thinking, I'm going to say this to people. So then you're like, uh. So I'm <laughs> sorry. I don't know if pastors are supposed to confess that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> this is my first year, though, so here we go. Uh, but, <laughs> but I was just like, God, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh pride of life, and I was just like opening up, okay, Lord, where am I at? Like, what's my story? Because if I'm going to ask you to comb through your life, I want to comb through mine, and I was, and I was convicted this week, because, you know, as a pastor, you know what my job is? My job is to shine a light, like a spotlight on Jesus, 
so that we come in here and we sing, worthy is the lamb, or you are holy, or we exalt thee, and it's just our eyes are on Jesus, and it's like all lights go on him, spotlights are on him. But you know what else starts to happen when your job is church? My temptation is to be like, spotlight on Jesus, spotlight on Jesus, and there's the light, and just, you know, <laughs> hey, David, you know, when you uh, fill in the blank, man, so awesome. And I'm like, yeah, praise be to God. <laughs> Bless the Lord. I'm just being real. Like, and all my pastor friends that say that's not true, bless them. But I don't believe them. Because you know what? It's part of the, it's, it's, it's just, it's part of my journey as a minister. It's like, you just, it's just easy for the pride of life to be in my life just like it's in anybody else's. So just God, I want you to ask God too. God, where am I at? Where, where, where do I tolerate the lust of the flesh? God, I know that categorically I'm not any of these things, and this is all for somebody else, and I sure wish my spouse was here today. But where do I actually have a lust issue, a pride issue, or a greed materialism issue? At the end of the day, John sums up sin in these three areas. And I think that we do well to just come before God and say, all right, Lord, where are they? Because some of us really love ourselves. Like we're really addicted to ourselves. Like some of you, you just love the fact that you're smart. You're just so proud of yourself. And you're the one that just when everybody, somebody says something, you just kind of back up. And, and you, you want people to just wait on you before you say something brilliant. And you just, you just love you. You're like, I'm smart. You're not. Well, I, I got you. Some of you, you just, you just, you, you straight up love, you love that you're so strong. I mean, you're just like looking for every opportunity to show your biceps and prove to people that you've done some work on that body of yours, right? And, oh, man, now you're defensive. I can feel it in the room. People are like, oh, don't touch that one. <laughs> you defend what you love. Oh, don't touch that idol. I got a reason. Listen, no doubt about it, we want to be smart. No doubt about it, we want to take care of our bodies. But here's the deal. Don't have misplaced affection. Don't overlove. Don't overlove those things. Let love for the Father be number one. Let love for the Father be strong. And I want to invite us to begin to just think about what lasts forever. Because that's the way that John says it here. John's talking about a kingdom that goes on forever. It says the world and its desires pass away. He's talking about the things he just listed. They're going to pass away. You building your kingdom, your kingdom will not last forever. You build the pride of life, lust of the eye, you build it. It's not going to last forever. And our temptation is just like a sandcastle that eventually gets swept away by the ocean. We build it up, but compared to what goes on in eternity, man, it's so short term. It will not last. And yet all we can see is right now. 
We see it right now, so we think, well, yeah, it's nice piety, nice sermon, nice ideas, but this is what's real. No, pull back and look at eternity, and you, know, you will see what's real forever and ever. My prayer is that you would invest your affection and your time in what lasts forever, not what lasts for now. My prayer for me is that I would live that way. When I um, was in high school, I'll be honest with you, I loved high school. Like when people, you know, you know I, I've worked with teenagers for so much of my life and so many of them like hate school and then they would look at me to reciprocate like, oh yeah, it's really hard and miserable. And I look back and I go, oh no, high school is the amazing. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, oh yeah, all of it. I loved all of it. I loved National Honor Society. I loved drama. I loved all, I loved a big high school. I loved every part. I just, I did all of it. In fact, I had this goal when I was in high school that when you got the yearbook at the end of the year, it would be different now because everything would be online and I don't know how it all works now, but back then and when it was just a printed annual and all people's kingdoms were in an index in the back where you could look up their name and you could see everything that they were involved in and I had this resolution when I was in high school that I would have more numbers by my name than any other person. <laughs> yeah, pride of life, baby. Look at me, what's up? And so when I got to college my freshman year here at Mid-America in Olathe, I went into my dorm room, and I brought a cork board, and I stuck it up there, and I put about 40 pictures of me and all my successes from high school. In fact, I put up plaques from high school in my college dorm. <laughs> my roommate, whom I'd never met, walked in, looked at my shrine to myself, <laughs> And looked away like what is wrong with this guy and, <laughs> and then <laughs> I know someone in the front row was like why is he telling this story this is too embarrassing this is this is bad by the time a bunch of guys had come in and seen it and they all looked at it and nobody was like man you are awesome welcome to college the response to all of them was this is embarrassing I don't know you. My kingdom was short-lived. College, nobody cared. Here's reality. What lasts forever is not your kingdom. And one day, your shrine to self will crumble. All that matters is eternity. All that matters it's not you, it's him. And so John says here, what lasts forever is what matters. It's all, and I love this phrase where it says, it says it's passing away. Or another version says it's fading. I love the word fading. It's fading away. It's gonna be gone. And then he closes it out with this, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Comes back and he says, I'll tell you where you can have eternal, everlasting, forever joy and love. It is in loving the Father, not in loving self, not in loving me. And our temptation in our culture is to constantly build our own kingdom. But my prayer for us today is that we as a church would lock in one more time, just like John tells us, and say, I want to build yours, God. I'm into you. I want love for the Father to grow, love for me, my pride, my greed, my lust, 
pride of life, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, let it decrease. Some of you hear this and you go, wow, well, man, it kind of feels like it's a command that's pretty strong. You know, like, why would God give us a command that says, do not love? The thing about commands, when they're given by higher power, the command is there to help you. The command is not there to hurt you or to restrict you. It's motivated in love for you. So the command, do not love the world, is actually at its root system, not a mean God trying to make you miserable, but a loving God that wants to destroy the thing that would destroy you. And out of the overabundance of his love for you, doesn't want the pride of life, lust of the eye. And he goes, that could ruin them. That could destroy them because it starts as something good. And he made things good. Intimacy with a spouse in marriage, good. Living with, if I want it, I'll, I'll take it, bad. Misguided, overdone, all about you. But at his core, he goes, I made you for relationship, and I want what's best for you. And I want to communicate and to you what the things are, and I want to walk with you and help you get rid of the things that ultimately will shred you, ruin. I want you to be with me forever. I'll close with this. My uh, son, Justice. Uh, I took my family, just my kids. Renata stayed home. She was cleaning the house. I had kids. At this time, I had four kids that were six and under. And Renata was cleaning the house, and she was like, David, will you just go? Which is often the way I help the most is just, <laughs> just leave. Just, you and all your people, go. I'll clean. So I took... All the kids who were mine and called by my name. And we went to the mall. And my goal was to kill time while Renata worked. <laughs> Great parenting. This is not a parenting sermon. And uh, <laughs> my job was just to keep the kids entertained and just let her get some real work done when we had four little babies. And everybody with little babies knows exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, so I was there at the mall with my kids and my little boy, Justice, is an adventurer, and he decided that he was going to wear his Batman cape to the mall. And he was playing Batman at the mall, and I thought playing Batman at the mall was fine until I turned around from the Verizon kiosk to see that he had grabbed a hold of the black strip on an escalator. And he, there was holding on and going up. So it was the one where it goes up on one side, and then way over here on the other side of the mall is the one going down. And so he has held on to the black strip and he is going up and his feet are coming off the ground going higher, higher, higher. And he's holding on, going up. <laughs> and he's saying, up, he's two years old, up, 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 up. He's Batman. And I freaked out. And from that day forward, I had a command. No more mall Batman. As for me and my house, we will not be Batman <laughs> at the mall. Why? Because I love that little boy. And I want no one to hurt that little boy. And I don't want gravity to hurt that little boy. And I want nothing to hurt that little boy. And I don't want Renata to hurt this boy. And I... <laughs> love justice. 
So because I love justice, I've got a law. I want to destroy the thing that would destroy him. I destroyed Maul Batman from that day forward. You have a father, and he loves you. And he's looking at you going, don't give in. I want to, I, no. That pride, that perpetual lust, that overwhelming greed, he'll take you out. And in his love for you, he gives you a command. Don't love it. Don't love it. Love, 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 love. Love God. He loves you. Love people. Love one another as I have loved you. But do not love the world. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you. We ask that you would increase in our lives. Increase our affections to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We pray that as we love you, our love for us would decrease. The pride of life would decrease. The lust of the eye, decrease. The lust of the flesh, decrease. Do a miracle, God. Work in our lives. Man, we want to be your people. So we as Radiant Church give you our lives yet again. Help us as we go into another week to be the people of God, to be a light that loves God more than anything. I pray for my friends. Strengthen them with might in their inner man. And let love for God grow. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radian Church, please click give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radian Church? Check out radianintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radian Church Podcast.